you like Grant Fisher, I told him I'd give this shout out, but he just came out with a new podcast called The Half Step Pod. He's doing it with a former teammate of his, Connor Lane, and a really good listen behind the scenes action of what it's like to be a professional. another episode of the half step pod i am your co-host connor lane and across from me via zoom but this time not in oregon grant fisher grant how are you doing very well man yeah coming to you live from park city utah um we're up at 8200 feet right now so i apologize if i start breathing really heavily or anything uh we'll try to edit that out but yeah um just vibing up in the mountains trying to get fit that is that is basically cruising altitude. You're gonna have to put your phone in airplane mode to listen <laughs> to this one, or to record. Grant, in your case, um, no, maybe not that quite that high. What is what is cruising altitude off the top of your head? Thirty six thousand feet, perhaps. Uh, so it's about like I don't know. About I, you that seems pretty specific. So I think you must know. A quarter, no, I mean I this I, okay. You know, it might be thirty thousand feet. It's something in the thirties, I think. So you're like a yeah, quarter of I the feel way like there. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so you know you're getting up there. I uh, we should we should start I think recapping this last episode um, and just just some general apologies from the both of us. I I think we first need to apologize right off the dome uh, for last week for for the lack of episode. Uh, you know it it, bra- it broke our heart to to miss our streak. We'd gone five weeks in a row recording one, and you know it got to Wednesday Thursday. You were going to altitude. I'm sure I was doing stuff, although now I pretty much forget what it was. I'll blame it on <laughs> school um, and and practice and all of that. I uh, I don't know if you have anything to add. We, you know, we missed the week, and uh, now we're going to try to get on this midweek schedule, this Tuesday-Wednesday drop zone, uh, if you will, and hopefully, hopefully stay consistent to this as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, same over here, just a little busy. Honestly, I probably could have fit in this, this episode just because it really only takes an hour. But, you know, when you when you put as much of your your heart and soul into it, like me and Connor, you know, you want to be sharp, ready to go. Give the people the, the best side of yourself. So I think we're, we're freshened up, ready to record a good one. Exactly. And that's what people need. You know, we put in a buffer zone just in case. <laughs> like if you're if you're feeling the pressure of having to go to, to another practice or or do something right after you hang up like it's it's not going to work uh we we got to prioritize this thing you know i mean people are not going to want to listen to a half-baked podcast episode. <laughs> uh, and there's no doubt about that so yeah so we got to apologize for that off the start and then we also we've gotten a lot of messages about grant's plantarius muscles uh grant i don't know if you want to take away specifically yeah yeah much much more interest in the old plantarius than i expected um we got a, a bunch of voicemail type things from uh ruby wiles who runs at tennessee tech i didn't even know you could send voice messages through instagram but we received them and um yeah had a great discussion on on the plantaris she uh said she was studying sports physiology i think so had a much more technical take on the plantaris than my rudimentary one um yeah got a couple other messages uh let me let me look through my phone austin hunter pulled up a map of Google interest in the Plantaris based on state. And there's a large surge of the Plantaris being Googled in Utah right now. Uh, and he was wondering how much of that is attributed to BTC in the pod. Um, so interesting stuff. I I didn't think people would be that into it. Do you, So are you telling me Google searches for Plantaris in Utah went from like two to four in an hour and just completely doubled the percent? I mean, and now we... Uh, <laughs> We have a heat map showing that. I, I don't know what the time frame is, but um, Utah now has 98 searches for Plantaris. I don't know if that's like in a week or a month. Um, and it's way more than any other state for some reason. So I don't know. The Plantaris. Who some loyal fans in Utah. Yeah. Alec, Alec is, you know, I guess he's not even in Utah. And he probably doesn't listen to the podcast, our teammate Alec Parsons. But shout out Utah. I feel like you have to shout him out whenever we go there. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, so we're, we're really a lot of Plantaris talk. I, uh, I think the moral of the story for me is that we need to ultrasound your other leg. Yeah, um, that, that, was, that was the most common question, actually. Um, I know that I have this thing on my right side. 
but the the doctor that was originally doing the ultrasound said that it's probably also on my other side but we never did the scan to check um yeah he said yeah you probably have this on the other side and he also said that i probably have other weird anomalies if i have this one so he made it seem like nice. if you have one random like strange anomaly you probably have more than one uh which i don't really know how that would correlate but that's what i was told uh again if there's any people that know more about this than me please let us know um but yeah i i thought last episode was kind of cool to see how much interest there was um i will i will apologize a little bit for being a little dramatic on my calf um like it, it was a little dramatic but at the same time like I don't think I got into this very well. And there were a few questions on this too, of just like general injury philosophy. Um, definitely one thing I try to live by in running is like, it's better to take a day off now than take two days off down the line. Uh, so basically like sometimes being preventative early and shutting yourself down will save you time in the end uh, from basically waiting for something to blow up, doing something pre preventatively, taking a day. Uh, which is something that I didn't do uh, when my calf first kind of seized up. So I was kind of kicking myself. Um, and yeah, I, Connor, you have any uh, general injury philosophy, like meta takes that you want to share? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's funny you say that because I'm actually, I have a little like adductor like soreness right now after a hard week last week that I'm taking like two or three days off for. And I feel the same way. I, I, uh, God, I think I talked about this last episode, but just there have been so many times in my life where you, I mean, I don't know if you can relate to this actually, but you get like this gradual pain or gradual feeling kind of coming on and you don't notice day to day how much it affects you walking and running and stuff. And because it's only so gradual each day, you, you don't really realize, or I mean, maybe you realize, but you rationalize with yourself that it's okay to run on. Um, and it's it's so it, you've lost the plot by so much when you get to that point i feel like and you're, you're running on something where you're noticeably limping um i mean there's a lot of special circumstances that go into being a collegiate athlete um with the way that racing schedules work and you know maybe when you're a pro unless it's the trials you can usually kind of reform your schedule to fit what the season is going to be in college there are meets that are just there you know there are a couple opportunities a year that are just there so it's there's a lot more pressure not put on by the coaches or anyone, but just, you know, there's a lot more pressure because you know, Hey, this is the meat that I'm supposed to run fast. And if I don't, then that's not my chance. So I feel like this time and the past couple times, as I've come back from this longer layoff, I've been on, um, that I've been consistently trending upwards in since January, just, uh, taking like one or two days now, as opposed to, and like not running on it once it starts actually hurting. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of, just kind of seizing up taking a couple of days now and, and coming out the other side. I feel like that's just, it's gotta be the way to do it. I also don't know if you lose too much fitness off of like one, two days off, even three days. Like as long as you get back into it. Um, I think that oftentimes you look at it like, Oh, if I miss a single day, I'm going to be so far behind. And I, I can't, can't be that. I'm not, I'm no exercise physiologist, <laughs> but that, that, that can't be the case. I just, I refuse to believe that. I just think sometimes we get so in our own head about it that, uh, it affects us. So yeah, just trying to be smarter, like you're saying. Yeah, totally, dude. Like sometimes, sometimes when you take a day off, it feels like this big thing, like this big catastrophic like event, like what's going to happen to my fitness? You know, am I going to lose fitness? But like, yeah, realistically, is it going to matter in a year if you ran an easy day or took the day off? Like probably not. Um, but it might matter if you continue to hurt yourself um, or like, there are just times where you, you're kind of running through something and adjusting training and you do that for a while. And then all of a sudden you look back and you realize you've only been like half training for the past month or two months. And like, I've had moments where I realized that and I'm like, man, I kind of, because I tried to push through this and adjust and not take the time now, I just wasted like two months of training and just turned it into like half training when I should have just taken a week off and then train normally for the, the following seven weeks or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, injuries are a very personal thing. Um, and everybody handles them differently. 
Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's interesting going off of that, like I've been in that spot for probably way longer than a couple of months at certain stages of, you know, time, just just with kind of half injuries or when you when you do hurt yourself and then you're out. And I think an important thing on the mental side of injuries that I've tried to keep in mind during like what's ended up being about a year process of half training at this point. Um, and fi- finally now building up into like real mileage again and getting it going as soon as this is taken care of. Um you also have to cut your mental side some slack, uh, especially when it's like a longer term thing or when you do make a mistake and you end up in this half training state. Uh, it's good to look back retroactively at what got you to half training, you know, what got you to maybe right. missing any of those red flags on, on training or, or any of that stuff. But it's not good to look at that and just beat yourself up over it nonstop. Right. And then it's also important. Yeah. Which you, I know it's not what you were saying at all, but like, that, no, that's no. been something that I've had to kind of shift my mindset on for sure. And it, it also kind of moves with the work that you do when you're injured um, might not be the flashiest, especially cross training or being in the pool or biking or when you get back into running and you're only running like 10, 15, 20 miles a week the first couple of weeks or you're doing slower runs or and then even in my spot where like you're back doing workouts, but you're not doing the same workouts, you know. Um, that you maybe would be doing if you'd been healthy the whole time or you're, you're still kind of on a reduced load. It's still easy to look at that, especially in college when you're surrounded by 15 other dudes who are maybe doing the full training as, oh, I'm, I'm getting worse. But really, and this was something Coach Sorensen uh, explained to me and Jimmy V's one day my freshman year uh, when I, or my sophomore year when I was coming off of my sacral, he held up his arms and podcasting is not a visual medium. So this is going to be pretty tough. But basically, you know, if you've been training healthily, you're kind of on a relatively horizontal curve with like a slight with a slight incline um you know you're trending upwards but you're trending upwards at a slower pace coming off of injury when you have a stable enough base or whether it's talent or just you've been good before you know or just getting back to the level that you were at previously it's a much steeper line no matter how long your injury is pretty much um stuff comes back quicker now it still takes a lot of time but that means that like the work you're doing in the pool or the work you're doing the first couple of weeks going back to running or even later on, if it's a gradual process like mine is, you have to believe that you're getting kind of a, maybe not literally, but an exponential return on investment compared to like what people are doing who have been training fully the whole time. Like I'm getting better quicker than the people who have been training fully. That doesn't mean that I'm getting better than them. It just means that my rate of improvement is better. And I, for some reason, the way that that was described to me just always stuck with me as like a really good, you know, touchstone when I was having hard times with injuries um, and are, are really getting frustrated about the process, knowing that like, hey, the stuff I am doing is kind of like making me a better, like increasing my quality of running by a higher percentage. Like I, I feel like I'm getting way better, even if the work itself was like a 30 minute run. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree with that. Like, and I have noticed that in my own fitness, in other people's fitness, that, you know, once you get to a certain fitness level, even if you get injured and like your fitness drops off, it gets, it's easier to get to that level again than the first time, uh, if that makes sense. I've noticed that with my older teammates too, um, coming off of our off season, the older guys that have a ton of mileage in their legs that have gotten into 13 flat to 13, 10 shape numerous times throughout their career they can get back to that fitness so quickly um, from coming off some downtime. And and I think that applies to when you're injured in cross training. Um, I remember uh, when I was in college, I was spending some time in the, in the pool at one point, taking some time off of running and I was aqua jogging. And every time I would aqua jog, I would think about NCAAs and I would like pretend I was at NCAAs like coming off the home stretch while I was in the pool and be like, oh, like Justin Knight's in my shoulder, like Sean's here, like, you know, Chez is over here and I split the gap. And like, I feel like little things like that, like are just what you need to, to get you through some of the cross training and like giving yourself a narrative that you're kind of like the underdog coming back and like your fitness is going to come and uh, like you're doing the right things and you'll surprise people. You, you got to kind of build that narrative in your head to give yourself the, the motivation and the fire and get it back when you do get back on your feet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's the th- framing the injury is like almost 
everything about it. Uh, you know, I've had like guys on the team here or just, you know, like people who, who've known kind of that I've been going through a lot of injuries, like ask about like, oh, how do you like, why do you go into the pool every day still? Like, like what is your, you know, what's the philosophy behind continuing to push when you've been there so long? And first of all, I do the same thing as you when I'm in the pool certainly visualize like even if i'm actually swimming visualize that it's somehow a track race and i'm there um i think it's just a little thing that that you do just you know when you're competitive or when you see it but it's, it's that same thing of just belief that like you kind of are getting this ball rolling in motion even if it's really far away from the final destination and yeah just framing everything as like oh i'm just getting back to that level that i was at and then surpassing it um just just every, it has everything to do with kind of creating your own momentum when you're injured not stagnating there and, and giving up and it's you know it's a really hard thing to do and I think there's no shame in in truthfully I, I don't believe there's any shame in giving up uh, if you've been through it and if, if you've been through a lot of the injury process or if, if you don't love that aspect of the sport it's I mean it's really hard to love that aspect of the sport for sure but if you can't if your love for the sport overall doesn't overwhelm kind of how you feel being injured or, or being far away from where you want to be I don't think there's any shame in kind of like, you know, you see a lot in college levels. There's a ton of really good runners who come into college and not all of them make it. I uh, I don't think there's any shame in that. I just think that as long as you still have the passion to, to do something, uh, you know, like I still have the passion to try to be good at running. And as long as that, no, I mean, it's it's funny because of how simple that is, but like that's all, it, it doesn't have to be deeper than that for me at this point. I don't have to like, I mean, obviously, you, you want to do the big things. You want to win NCAs. You want to win NCAs as a team. You want to run fast times. But truthfully, it's just, yeah, I want to be better than I was a couple of years ago when I was actually PRing. And I think that belief is, that's so far been enough to sustain grinding every day on the injury comeback. And when it, when that, if that were to disappear, if I didn't have that kind of fire, that juice to, to get back there, um, and that juice to, to enjoy it when I when I do get back to racing, then I think I would probably quit. But as long as that kind of fire is there, I don't think that there's ever been a question of if I'm going to go do the work required to get back, I guess, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I assume you can relate to a lot of that. Yeah, dude, like, I mean, there's nothing that glamorous about cross-training. Um, usually you're doing it alone. It's not really what you want to do. Like, you want to be running. Um, that's when... Yeah, the motivation has to come from within. Like, there's only so much a coach can do to, to, you know, get you to do it. Like, like the old like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink thing. So, like, it doesn't matter if you have the most inspirational coach of all time. At the end of the day, when you're in the pool by yourself, awkward jogging for two hours, um, you know, you have to try to find that that drive again, that passion, or just think back to why you even started running in the first place and find those feelings again, find those moments of joy and um, really figure out why you want to do it. Um, one thing I, I wanted to, to jump back on really quick was when you're coming back from an injury, one of the general rules that I try to follow um, is that whenever you think you're ready, wait another day, like, or, or like wait another cycle. So if, if one day you think, okay, I'm ready to run on the ground, wait another day or like if you haven't worked out in a while and you think okay i think today i'm ready to to do a workout wait till the following workout like that has saved me from getting in bad spots so many times just creating that rule in my head and forcing myself to follow it uh has kept a lot of the emotion and like the anxiousness to get back and uh almost nervousness to regain fitness as quick as possible um just like kind of put a leash on myself and um you know, when you come back from an injury, you inevitably have like little, little things that come up along the way. Your body's not used to the pounding of running. Um, and there's not a lot of cross training activities that can simulate it. So like your joints, your tissues, your like tendons, they have to get used to the pounding again. And, uh, sometimes giving yourself just one more day, uh, can be really, really helpful. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly right. And that's that, whether it's one day or just, just, yeah, being smart overall. I remember Milt used to have like a one day or sometimes it was like three extra days, depending on how long you'd been out for it that, yeah. that we'd follow. I, I feel like, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Right. I I've gotten back into heavier workouts this past week and, you know, did a hard long run and you end up 
probably a little bit over the line of what you're capable of. Um, what I've been dealing with just, you know, I had a longer layoff from running. I couldn't tell you the exact time cause there was a lot of half training in there, like you said, but you know, there was at least a month there from December to January where I wasn't running. I was purely cross training and, um, coming back into it aerobically, I'm still, I wouldn't say I'm like running fit or racing fit, but I'm still fit because of like doing a lot of cross training. So when you get back into continuous runs, there's a, there's an easier tendency to push or to feel like you're ready for workouts. And coach did a great job. Coach Santos did a great job of pulling me back. Um, I've been able to consistently build up since January with no hiccups. And then this is the first little hiccup as we got literally last week into heavier work. Um, and it's just an easy reminder of like, Hey, you start doing heavier workouts. You need to take your easy days easier. You need to stop doing as many hills on your long run. There are just, you know, there are sacrifices you need to make right now to keep it going. Cause a really hard thing that's been for me historically, I know there are other people on, on our team who went through this is you still feel pretty fit coming off of your cross training, uh, at least aerobically. So you maybe push harder than what you're physically like physiologically, like your, your bones and joints and tendons are ready for in that moment. And that's where a lot of my problems have been. I, I don't think it's necessarily even me being injury prone so much as it's, you know, I had a sacral happen and then you rush back for that ensuing cross country season and your buildup ends up being kind of shorter than, than you would want because, um, you're trying to get back for pre-nats or for whatever race. And then you end up kind of in that cycle again. Whereas like if I, you know, and this is probably the first time we're in a couple of years, but I'm really trying to build out like that thorough groundwork and take the races that come whenever I'm ready for them and not try to fit myself into a window. It's really difficult mentally to, to go through that knowing you might miss certain seasons or might miss certain meets, but it's necessary at this point if I want to be healthy long-term, I think is kind of where I'm at. And that's, that's a unique experience in terms of, I don't think you've had to go through a big thing like that. Not that that's not that you can't understand it or that it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's just, yeah, it's a unique feeling to kind of be missing, you know, like missing cross season, trying to build back up, knowing that I've tried to push it in the past and not made it back. It's just kind of trying to know your body better. I think as well as you can get to know your body in high school and in college is, is really essential because eventually you have to be the one to start looking out for it. Um, as everyone wants to help you, but they can only do so much. I, I think that sums it up so well. Um, injuries, it's so much of just like learning from your mistakes and learning to know your body and what it can handle, what it can't knowing your problem areas. Um, an even better thing would be if you can learn from other people's mistakes. Um, so I hope that anyone listening to that and, and what we say in this podcast and future episodes can learn from some of the mistakes we've made. Cause you know, we've tried to learn from them. Um, I'll be the first to admit the mistakes that I've made at previous altitude camps, for example, or, uh, different, how I've handled certain injuries. Um, and I hope that each subsequent camp or subsequent injury that comes up, I'm a little smarter because of that. Um, and I think that's a really crucial skill to have and, uh, an even better skill to have would to stack on top of that if you can learn from other people's mistakes. So, um, that is one of the reasons why we're sharing this just hoping that, you know, if this only helps one person, then, then I think we've done a, a great job with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, that's just a little bit of trying to share personal experiences for, for the common good, I guess. Um, hopefully people benefit from it, but I feel like there's a little bit of a natural segue there. Um, I didn't expect this to be the injury podcast, part two, <laughs> but it, I, I'm, I'm glad we talked about it, but there, there is definitely a natural segue, which is Grant, you're not in Oregon anymore. Um, out in park city at, 8,200 feet square, 8,200 8, feet of altitude, almost says square feet. That wouldn't make sense. <laughs> um, you came up there on the fifth. How's your first week been? Uh, give me all, give me all the deeds. Yeah, man. All right. So we are eight days in right now. Um, yeah, we are in a big house. I am in, uh, yeah, essentially a, a mansion up here, um, with seven other teammates. So it's a, it's a fun place. We've been doing group meals, which has been super fun. You know, trying to cook for eight people is quite a, quite a challenge sometimes, but, um, yeah, it's a fun time to, to get to know your teammates really well and live together. And, um, I really like the, the situation we have. We're all in really nice places. Um, and the training's great, man. Park city is beautiful. Um, right now there's still snow on the mountains a little bit, but the places we run are pretty dry. Uh, so 
it's just gorgeous running, um, hilly terrain. And you just get the feeling that this is the place you go to get fit. Like this is, this is where we're going to put the, the finishing touches on our fitness going into the trials. And, um, we're, we're on the, the long push to, to the, the biggest races that we'll have for the next, I guess, three years. Cause we're, uh, we'll have another Olympic cycle in 2024. Um, but it's an exciting time, man. Um, I'm very, very happy to be up here, especially because this was where my very first camp was with the team. And, uh, it was a struggle. <laughs> and then yeah. my camp after that was also a struggle. Um, so it's, it's a cool feeling being able to go back to the places where I've just been completely destroyed on runs, been dropped, you know, questioning everything and be able to go there and, and hang on the runs as simple as that sounds like to, to not be subject to the Hills of Jeremy ranch, for example, that's a, a common place we run. Uh, cause I've had some demons out there in the past and just, just be able to go there and not be like afraid honestly, <laughs> like not be scared You're of decently hills. more fit than you were then. So yeah, that, yeah. That, it makes, you know, it's, it's cool. To, it's cool to hear that though. And it's, I mean, it's a natural progression. It's what you would want. You wouldn't want to be going up to altitude camp and then be worse than you were <laughs> <laughs> um, a while ago, but yeah, sound, it sounds like you're in a really good place. Didn't mean to cut you off. I don't know if. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess to give a general overview of what we've been doing so far, um, the first week we were up here, we just did easy runs. We didn't do any workouts, just let the body adapt. Um, it's a big change going from zero, uh, or I guess sea level to 8,000 feet. You know, your body is going through some, a bit of a shock. Um, so no workouts, just easy runs, maybe some strides, uh, still, still lots of gym stuff, but, um, really not trying to hammer the body and put yourself in a depleted state right now. Um, and then today we had our first workout, which was great. Um, nice being on a track again. And we did uh, a speed endurance workout, which up here is really hard. Um, we managed to drop down to about 5,500 feet for the workout. Um, so it wasn't quite Where'd you, where'd you go for that? Uh, we were at a high school um, in a nearby town. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, but of course. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe if you're from Utah, you could probably figure this out. But about 30 minutes from Park City uh, High School. Uh, yeah, gorgeous spot. Mountains in the background. Um, but yeah. Oh, there, there'll be Instagram pics posted for sure, right? Yeah, uh, probably, probably. <laughs> from yeah. someone at some point. So you could triangulate. Yeah, you could triangulate our position. Um, what else? We had our first long run on Sunday, um, which was another another run where I've battled my demons at, at this spot. Um, on this occasion we were running in Colville, um, which is a, a town near, uh, near park city again. And there's a long out and back trail, uh, along an old, uh, railroad track, uh, I believe. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've completely buried myself out there before, um, and been dropped by everybody. And, just just made mistakes and in, in you know digging a hole for myself that took me a while to get out of and you know was able to execute a lot better this time uh and like you said it helps that i'm in better fitness but i'm also in a better mental spot than i was in previous camps just where my confidence is and knowing my body and knowing when i can push when i can't what going to the well does to you at altitude and uh yeah i'm i'm a happy camper right now i'm i'm super super excited for the rest of camp and we're uh just getting started no i mean it's awesome to hear uh not just the the background stuff but the, that you're kind of in a better spot for yourself you texted me we were going to record last night uh, monday night and you texted me and said you run dinner duty with sean <laughs> yeah we made a, what did that consist of we made some pasta for the whole crew um so i think it ended up being we had three or four pounds of pasta uh just strictly the noodles and then just a ton of sauce and a ton of meat. Uh, it, it was a meat sauce base. And uh, yeah, I think we had like three and a half pounds of ground beef to, to feed the crew. Um, yeah, got a fuel up up here. We made a, a little side salad and stuff. So um, JT was helping out in the kitchen as well. So uh, if he listens to this, I know he'll get pissed if I don't mention him. So he, <laughs> he was helping as well. It wasn't just me and Sean. Um, but yeah, it, it's fun. You know, we split up all the chores basically. Um, it's like living in a, 
uh, what are those things called? A co-op, I guess. Like we all, some people cook for the group, some people clean, you know, we get groceries for other people and split the cost or, you know, if somebody needs something at the store, we'll grab it for them. So it's a, it's a nice, nice little community we got. And, uh, we're not too far from the other guys' houses. I think, I think Woody wants to watch, uh, the Godzilla versus King Kong movie tonight. Cause they have a little like movie oh, room. Oh man, let me in tell you, house. dude, they have, wait, they have a movie room in their house. Yeah. That's the type of screen you to watch it on. We watched it on DJ's TV like two weeks ago, which nice TV. It's just, I think we all felt like it might have been a little bit inadequate just purely for the uh and that's probably one of the biggest TVs we have in the dorm, but just still just not enough to handle Kong versus Godzilla. Dude, there's a there's quite a twist about two thirds of the way through that you can totally see coming, but <laughs> really makes for some good entertainment regardless. So I look forward to hearing hearing you describe how you felt watching it, if y'all get that in. Yeah, I yeah, can't wait. It seems like a cinematic masterpiece for sure. You know, I'm excited for the script, some good writing. For sure. My favorite line in that movie early on in it, we were, AP was just dying about this too. It's like, I haven't seen any of the subsequent movies, so DJ was trying to tell me about the lore, trying to tell all of us about like the lore of like, I guess Godzilla fights a bunch of different, you know, beasts. There's like a bunch of these movies. But really early on, Kong's like trapped in this like, their holding cell basically, which isn't a spoiler because you learned that three minutes into the movie. And they're like, oh, we got a free Kong. And the head scientist lady is just like, are you crazy? Like, because Godzilla's out there in the wild and Godzilla's going to hunt down Kong. She's like, there can only be one alpha, <laughs> which, you know, it's just, it's just that baseline knowledge of like, why? Like in the whole world, there, there's only one. But hey, needless to say, they, they certainly come together to battle it out, which, uh, wow, it's a heck of a film. Honestly. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm have, looking what forward is it, to like it. The HBO subscription. It's free, basically. So yeah, just man you got to watch that the night before the olympic trials that'll really get you <laughs> get you in the right in the right mood just battle yeah well you're hyping it up yeah i i was i was debating whether or not i was going to attend the the showing but yeah they have like a almost like movie theater in their house it's they have a projector and then a bunch of like recliner chairs lined up they're they're in yeah. a nice place yeah as, as i mentioned in the last podcast you know park city is the bougie of the bougie there's uh there's quite a bit of people with some some cheddar up here so uh, i think they all are out of town because ski season just ended so we're, we're you know occupying their places for the time being but um yeah man park city's great um today was a, a great kickoff to the to the the camp with a, our first workout and um gonna do a leg lift after finishing recording this podcast um move some move some weight and then uh get some treatment and I'm not on dinner duty tonight, so just to get to roll up and uh, get some food, and then uh, yeah, hit the hay, get ready for tomorrow. That's not, see, okay, we we have the same issue at camp at our team camps as you know, which was you know like each household, each little like crew, like apartment or depending where we were, had to like cook a dinner for the team on their designated night. We ended up kind of getting rid of that. I think my older years just because we switched up locations and couldn't really balance everything but i know that was a big thing for a while would you rather have it that way where hey once every like three or four nights you're just gonna you're on dinner duty and it's gonna be like an experience like we're gonna have to put a lot of meat a lot of pasta and we're gonna have to get it or would you rather just nightly have to do something for a smaller crew even if it's like two or three people or like where are you at with that because for me that seems like a lot of stress to put on myself every couple of days. I'm just also just not a good cook at all. So, I mean, it's probably a lot dependent on that. You know, personally, I, I enjoy the group dinners. Um, I'd much rather have to cook one massive meal because uh, certain things are easy to scale, easier than others. Like pasta, for example, is pretty easy to scale. Um, yeah. It's not that much different cooking for three people versus like seven um besides just like having enough pots and pans to to fit everything um personally i'd much rather have that i like the the environment of group dinner like sitting down with everybody you know joking around and talking about whatever and i'm okay with the other nights just like i i like rolling up on certain nights just not cooking and just being able to eat that's definitely and, the bonus. and then like yeah. I, i'm cool doing dishes too i know some people hate dishes but i'm fine doing dishes so i mean every day you're contributing something um and it's not just yeah. one person cooking for the eight i uh, it's usually like 
three or four or five people with one person being the head chef, basically. Uh, and you pitch in either by chopping stuff up or, you know, mixing things or, or whatever. And if you don't do that, then you're on dish duty. So, um, that's typically where I, I'm, I'm either at some version of chopping up, mixing or dish duty in pretty much <laughs> all the communal dinners I've participated in. I don't have that ingenuity, man, uh, off the stove, that kind of thing, but I've definitely improved since going to college that that was a life skill that I can at least, you know, survive now if i go into the grocery store and (laughs) cook something it might not be the most fancy or the the best seasons we get i mean there are all those cookbooks the running cookbooks out there um every person on camp every every runner i've met has run fast eat slow which you know so that must be good i'm sure y'all have like three or four copies up there no free advertising and they didn't say (laughs) that but it's just such a ubiquitous item Um, yeah, so looking at that, sometimes I, I always look at those meals, like, I don't know if I can do that, but (laughs) a lot of the guys here can. So yeah, at at camp, I I feel the same way. I'm sure y'all have good food. Got to have healthy food up there. So yeah, we've, we've got some great chefs in the house. Uh, Elise is a very good chef. Um, and so is Shelby. I'd say they, they're probably top two in our house. Um, I'd say I'm probably bottom (laughs) tier chef. Um, Mm. but, uh, yeah, I'm working my way up. I'm getting better. Not elite. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm elite. <laughs> yeah, I'm confident. That's, you just need competence in the kitchen. I feel like to be a, to at least not be a liability. You can't be a liability. Like <laughs> if someone asks you to chop something or like watch something on the stove or like you know you guys be able to, be able to handle that stuff. And I can do that. I just don't have the anyway. We've had a long enough discussion just purely about the cooking aspect of it. Unless there's anything you wanted to add, I had a logistical question about running i you guys had another lengthy instagram post um the vtc account which they've been kind of they've been hitting that sweet spot for just kind of dropping you know information to the to the whole running community that maybe is less common um kind of a hint at what badger miles were and just you know how y'all don't really go off of pace that i mean you go off of pace but obviously a lot of your runs are just kind of more based on minutes with a set mileage depending on how many minutes you do but outside of that stuff you guys still wear watches when you go up to altitude do you notice like your continuous run paces shift at all i don't i don't think you've ever really cared how fast you're running on continuous runs if i remember correctly like in college you definitely you know it was just whatever you needed to get the mileage and recover that day um i'm sure that hasn't shifted but do you notice just because of the altitude and everything else the harder training uh your pace goes down and is that something you you ever really think about yeah, um, I guess first before answering that, because you brought up Badger Miles, I, I will uh, explain what those are because I don't think we have explained that in the podcast. I don't think we have either. I was just kind of afraid to. Okay. But also, it was basically in the Instagram. So yeah, yeah. I think it's no, fun. no, I'll break it down. So uh, originally, they were called Badger Miles, created by Jerry at Wisconsin. Um, since then, you know, now he's not at Wisconsin anymore, and some people did not want to, you know, acknowledge the Badgers. Uh, so they just started calling him Jerry Miles. Um, so Jerry Miles are essentially this. Uh, so if you're a guy, everything you run every easy day is counted at seven minute pace. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you go out and run 70 minutes and you cover 12 miles because you're hammering your 70 minutes is counted at seven minute pace. So you actually only get 10 Jerry Miles out of that. Um, and the other aspect of Jerry Miles is that you can only run in multiples of five. So if you wanted to run uh, three miles, you have to run 25 minutes uh, because at seven minute pace, three miles would be 21 minutes. And then the last part of the rule is that you have to round up to the next five. So for, yeah, so to get two miles, you have to run 15. To run three miles, 25. That, that three-mile one is the worst one. Yeah, three miles maybe tough. the second the worst <laughs> one. Um, like eight miles would be 56 minutes, but you have to run 60 to count it as eight. Uh, if you just ran 56 minutes for some reason, you would have to count that as seven. Um, so a lot of our runs are 35 minutes and 70 minutes because those are the most bang for the buck for your buck that you can get you know there's no rounding up or down 35 minutes is exactly seven minute pace for five miles so we count it as five um 70 minutes is exactly 10 if you count it at seven minute pace so we get 10 jerry miles um 
so because of that, a lot of people on the team just run with stopwatches rather than GPS watches because ultimately it doesn't really matter uh, what your actual mileage is. Some people still like to track it, but I've just totally transitioned to these Jerry miles that like, I hardly even think about what my actual mileage is. And I feel like as long as you count your mileage in a consistent way, it doesn't really matter what like your basis is. Exactly. And if Jerry, you know, I, I guess you also have more autonomy on what your mileage is because he kind of gives you an overall range like anyway on a given week. But if they kind of like know what your normal mileage is at too, then I feel like as long as everyone's on the same page with like, you could call it, you could name it after like different animals if you wanted to, like however many miles you did on a day, like as long as it's like a universal scale for you, it, it's going to be the same effect. Like whether something's 6.30 or 7 minute pace, if you're doing it that way all the time, it's just a different way to describe the same thing. It's kind of a weird thought. The first time I heard of Badger Miles, I was like, oh, what? Like I'd be so pissed. I'm not getting my <laughs> mileage. But like if you call 100 miles, like 80 miles, it, you know, it, you're still training what you're training. And it's not like the you know coaching staff out there doesn't kind of know where you're actually at it's not like you don't actually kind of know where you're at it just doesn't matter i think that's a really interesting thought to kind of disassociate runners from their kind of there's somewhat there's sometimes a weird culture around mileage like oh i can only be good if i run this many miles i think it's an interesting way to get around that yeah i mean your body doesn't know like how you label your mileage like yeah if i'm running for example 85 miles a week uh but in Jerry miles, it's only 75 miles a week. Your body doesn't know the difference. Like it's, it's the same amount of training. So like, yeah, how you label it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you're consistent, I, I view mileage as a tool to, to measure how much you're training, basically how long you've been on your feet that week. Um, and consistency is important to be able to look back historically to see what has worked and what hasn't worked and to be able to communicate that to your coach in a way that they understand and is consistent with what they want. So, um, yeah, the Jerry miles are interesting. Uh, you don't get rewarded for hammering. Um, you also don't get really punished for chilling out on easy days. So you can kind of have the autonomy to do what you want on an easy day. Um, if you're going to run 70 minutes that day, it doesn't matter if you're running five flat pace or seven flat pace, you're getting 10 miles in in the jerry system so um yeah that, that was a long-winded overview of jerry miles um and then to answer the second part of your question yeah you run slower up here it's harder <laughs> you're at altitude um the same paces feel harder um that's pretty much all there is to it and if you're too attached to your watch you can get in your own head for sure um yeah, you know, six thirty pace feels way easier at sea level than it does up here, and sometimes, sometimes it's a natural progression on a run where you start running like five forty fives or whatever. Um, but sometimes your body doesn't need that, and you're tired, and you just need to run a little slower that day. And having the Jerry Miles does give you the flexibility to do that without getting too much in your head or beating yourself up about like not working hard enough or something. Well, no, and, and that that's a super interesting caveat to altitude uh, that kind of provides that cover for you and Jerry Miles providing that cover for you that like the continuous run should just be kind of going off of feel. Um, but something I've seen in a lot of great runners that I've been around, uh, a lot of the guys on the Stanford team or just people I've talked to, and it's not to say all great runners. I know I'm sure there are great runners who obsess about mileage, but what I've noticed in a lot of the top guys I've been around and something I try to emulate myself when I'm running and training is that, well, maybe it's easier to describe what you don't do, which is there are other guys and girls out there who get a lot of their confidence from mileage, which is a natural thing. That's not, it's just when you start getting all of your confidence from doing a certain amount of mileage per week or from hammering a random Thursday run, um, I think it's natural. It's it's good to get momentum from running well and feeling good. But I think something that is maybe 
an added benefit of Jerry Miles that maybe you don't even see uh, or, or something that I usually do run with a manual watch as well and just kind of go, I don't use seven minute, but I'll be like 640. So, okay, this is probably like around this because that's what I'm running is when you can disassociate yourself from your weekly mileage, I think that you have to then draw confidence from another source. And typically for me and for other great runners, I've seen like it's an inner confidence. Um, it's, it's confidence that like I'm a good runner and I'm, I'm also doing this work to be good, but I'm not deriving all of my confidence from simply doing the work, right? And I feel like um, that's like that, that's that, I guess, maybe ultimate level of confidence that as a runner, you're, you want to try to aspire to be at where kind of, hey, like no matter what the training is kind of looking like right now, I'm still this caliber of runner just off the bat, or I'm this caliber of runner, regardless of if I hit 85 or 80 miles this week that's not really going to peeve me. And now there are great runners, I'm sure, who do hit that um, or who do obsess about it, which is totally fine. But I, I, I found it's like a, I found a lot of really good guys don't seem to even care a ton about what the mileage he says at the end of the week or what they did in their workout. It's much more about how they feel. Yeah, and that's a great point to, to branch off of that. I do feel like mileage is an imperfect measure. You know, it's it's a good measure. Like it, it can give you a general idea of how much you trained that week but it's not perfect. Like there's more to the story, you know, you can run 80 miles of just easy runs, or you can run 80 miles with two really intense track sessions and a hard long run, and it adds up to 80 miles. And those are completely different training weeks. Um, and I think sometimes when you get too attached to the mileage per se, you start making mistakes that could be avoided easily. Um, and whether that's like chasing mileage at the end of the week, you know, for no reason when you're tired and you're just getting junk miles, just like slogging around, um, to hit a certain number, um, when you've had a lot of quality that week in the, in the form of workouts, um, like we'll do speed work sometimes with Bowerman and you get one to two miles of work in on the speed day, but it takes a massive toll on your body. Like you are really beat up from that more beat up than, you know, running 10 miles easy. So my mileage is just not a great measure in my opinion. And it's good. It's good to chart and track, but it doesn't tell the whole picture. And, uh, that's where like good communication with the athlete and your coach is, is, is quite important. Um, just being able to like hash through those things and be on the same page about what the expectations are. Um, if the expectations are like, Hey, you're going to run hundred miles a week, even when the workouts are really hard versus really easy or, you know, Hey, we have a, a hard track session this week. You know, you can tone down the mileage a little bit because you're really going to beat your body down uh, on the track. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's something that's, that's super interesting too, because I feel like there's a lot of times in college um, and, and even in high school among like certain like circles of guys where it's just, I don't know. Like I've had the thought a ton where like, oh, we have a speed workout. Like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, when I'm not basically, oh, we have a speed workout. It's only going to be like seven miles in the day. I need to add somewhere else in the week to get to the certain mileage and completely miss the fact that like, like you said, the speed workout could be more taxing on your body. Right. I think that you're right that it's, it's super obvious. There are other measures of like quality of your week. And yet as, as tr like runners who are actually doing the training, I feel like way too often we look at what the mileage has at the end of the week. And that's about it. Now your coaches, you know, are often there, especially in high school and college, to have a more holistic view of, of kind of what you're doing and, and guide mileage accordingly. But yeah, definitely it takes a little bit of, of keeling back, right? I, f I feel like you saying that's almost like an awakening. Like there have been so many times where I've done a speed workout and been like, okay, I'm going to be like three or four miles low for the week unless I do something here. Um, and that now it's like, okay, I'm going to add a little double or, or, or add like a longer cool down here, which is maybe not what you need. Um, yeah, I guess just finding out that balance that, that works for you on that front. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with doubling to, to get some mileage. Like we do that all the time. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, but just going, going, doing a ton because purely because something doesn't add up regardless of how you feel, I guess, is the yeah. thing. Like if you feel fine and yeah, like double later on in the week and get the mileage, but like if you are drained from that workout, that was a speed workout. And so in your head, you're like it was only seven miles of total running. Like this can't be 
that much of a of a drainer like it, it can be and and being smart about that stuff is probably still important that's all yeah yeah i completely agree nice man dude these life lessons i <laughs> we're just we just we're never going to make any mistakes again once we both all these for sure oh yeah <laughs> uh, well one thing i should say is like we talk about these things we've learned but by no means are connor and i perfect on any of these things like still learning yeah just this last episode like i mentioned like how i made a mistake a couple of mistakes with dealing with my calf um i guess to i I should have said this at the beginning but to wrap that one up what one of the best things that i did for my calf was dry needling um i have found that my body responds really well to dry needling and uh, that fixed up my calf quickly um and that's something that i just had to learn by knowing my body um but yeah we we don't have it figured out like nobody has it figured out um even the best I'm people so in the world having it figured out <laughs> the best you, people in the world are still learning run 13 hell <laughs> yeah <for laughs> that, sure. that is That's important that is one thing i've learned just being surrounded by world-class guys is they're always learning like mo for example you know a tw- 20 set or a 1240 guy um he's still learning like he he shows up every day trying to learn and get better he knows that he makes mistakes sometimes and he knows that he's not perfect, but he's his attitude and approach to every day is something that I admire a lot. And I have tried to emulate as well, just being on this team. There's so many things you can learn about yourself from other guys, uh, from your coach, just every day. And every day is an opportunity to get better. You're, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Um, and you don't need to, to beat yourself up about them. Uh, if you can learn, learn from them. Um, and that ties back to what we mentioned earlier about learning from other people's mistakes too. Um, that, that will be a, quite the catalyst in helping you improve in whatever you're doing. Um, so yeah, we, we don't have it figured out. Um, I'd say like, even within these podcasts going back and forth with you, Connor, I feel like I'm learning new things. Um, learning like your perspective, I kind of understanding my perspective too, by talking about it. And I I think it's quite helpful. Hey, likewise, man. I told you episode one on the pod and I think you thought I was joking, but this is just an excuse to talk to you once. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But no, yeah. I mean, hopefully, yeah, I don't know. We always finish with like, I hope you guys got a lot out of that. But like, I certainly did. Um, And honestly, even dealing with this adductor thing, like earlier in the week, I feel like it's really classic for me to run, a couple days after I really start feeling it because I'm like, Oh, it'll be fine for some reason. That's, that's what I immediately start thinking like, Oh, this isn't going to be a problem. And then it's like hearing you talk about taking a day for your calf. I was like, Hey, I haven't had any pain running on this thing yet. And today I'm feeling really sore. So why not get in front of it, take this day and like, you know, be okay on it. Um, and that's So I feel like I'm already making better decisions. Hopefully (laughs) just, you know, part of that comes with experience. And yeah, like, like you've been saying, as much as you want to learn from other people's mistakes, you also, I keep coming back to like, you don't want to beat yourself up for, for right, things that you right. do do wrong. Like, like that, just cause having been through that injury, like just that cycle and just that kind of tornado of, of, of feeling where like you're pissed or you regret doing something or you, you made a mistake and now you're out for however long, like it, it's so much more brutal when you know it's like oh if i just done this differently if i just learned differently like yeah learn from our learn from our mistakes learn from your teammates mistakes learn from you know learn from what the best people on your team are doing but at the same time like trust that your own i mean your own process won't be perfect there will be setbacks and that's okay and it's 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 much more about staying positive and and that, that sounds so basic but it's just like if you keep it in the back of your head that you're a good runner then whatever obstacles come up your way like if you're just focusing like, Hey, I'm going to get back to being, I mean, I guess you stay that good runner, even when you're injured, but Hey, I'm going to get back to being that like elite caliber athlete. I I don't know. I, I just, I, I find it really hard to believe that that you won't eventually get back there then as long as you keep that faith. And that's kind of the long and short of like how injuries work in my opinion. Um, and how training works. It's just thinking that you're a good runner (laughs) and then doing everything in that. I mean, then doing everything in that model, like, thinking you're a good runner and then making sure you're doing all the auxiliary things that go into that. Right. But, um, you know, at the bottom line, having that clear vision for me illuminates like the whole path, right? Where now I'm not just like stretching because I've been told to stretch or doing it because like 
you that's what you're supposed to do to be to be good i guess that's kind of as simple as that that's right we get a lot of questions and you maybe you can jump off that like we get a lot of questions like oh like what do you do or why do you do this or like how do you i feel like a lot of the decisions i make are just because i made one decision a long time ago that i want to be good um and not that i've like done it done like shit (laughs) like truthfully like like in this but this that so the decisions i make now are are reflections of of that decision like hey i'm gonna make the right choice here I feel like it's probably similar for you, right? Where it's not like you're making a conscious choice every night to do the right thing. It's just like, I'm going to stretch, I'm going to roll, I'm going to go to bed, or I'm going to prep for this workout correctly because I, you know, like I want to be good. Yeah, I mean, simplifying your decisions is always a good move. Um, Decision fatigue is a real thing. Like Mm. you can't be making a thousand decisions a day and expect to be sharp when you need to be. Um, like you said, you make the decision to roll out before bed and that's just what you do. Like you're, you just decide that you're that type of guy. Like you're, I'm a roll out before bed guy and you just do it. Like you don't really need to make the decision. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's times when you're forced to make a decision on the spot. And I, one thing my dad told me when I was young, when I was having trouble, like figuring out certain things in my life, he told me to just make a decision and stick with it. And afterwards you realize if it's, it was the right decision or the wrong decision or just kind of a neutral decision. And you can look back and uh, learn from whatever the outcome was. If it was a good one, just be like, okay, well, that worked well. Maybe I'll do it again. Uh, or that didn't go well. I need to make a dis- different decision next time. Um, rather than just being frozen by indecision. Um, I think that allows you to just like iterate a little quicker and move on a little faster from the bad decisions and not just kind of get get on your case um feel bad for yourself or get on yourself about making the wrong one just to conclude i think that's exactly right we're like you know it's way harder to have self-pity well i don't know maybe it's easier to have self-pity but like when when you get mad at yourself for making a mistake like if you believe you made the right decision in your moment or like you know hey I, i made this choice and like i thought this was the right move you know at the end of the day, like you can't beat yourself too much over that. Yeah. You can't beat yourself up too much over that. And it's about just not wallowing in any self-pity that comes with injury or, you know, any tough things that happen in running, even if it's like poor races or just a tough season. Like it, it's, it's, you know, just moving on from there, making each decision as it comes. Totally. Got a little bit, maybe got a little bit too philosophical at the end of my part, <laughs> but uh, yeah, r- wrapping it up. I, I've been in a room where I, so I don't know if you, uh, I turned off my fan and we started recording because last time I had to learn how to go through the audio track and scrub out all of the like fan whirring noise that was just (laughs) on the baseline of all of my audio that I didn't hear until I listened to it back. So turned it off. So it's pretty warm in here right now because I also have to shut the windows because the guys on the team just stand out there and yell sometimes, I think for fun. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So yeah, I'm, we're pushing on an hour as well. I'm about ready. Um, I'm sure you got lift as well. I got practice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like this was a good one. We didn't really come in with a, a huge game plan for the pod, but I feel like we filled it with some good stuff. Yeah, hopefully. I, I wanted. I guess we did talk a lot about the altitude stuff, but we definitely jumped into that impromptu injury thing. Um, you kind of, kind of got to roll with it here, man. That, <laughs> that's the thing. Whatever, whatever we want to talk about is going to be what we're best at talking about yeah. on that day. So I'm all for it. We're going to try to get these out midweek. Um, hopefully, you guys. Hopefully we can stick to that plan. Yeah, and if you guys have any suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about more or less, just let us know. We're we're all ears. Let Let's do another race recap. Uh, yeah. Next week, if you want. So, people send in send in suggestions if you want it to be like one of Grant's races or if you want it to be a, a third party kind of race. Um, just actually actually DM us. I think we'll just go with whichever one gets recommended the most. Maybe maybe we'll even put out a poll. Yeah if people send us recommendations and, and go from there, build some, build some social media activity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Put out Just some content, get it, get it bumping in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the content's been barren, but the people understand, um, you know, we're, we're doing this for fun for now. Shout out advertisers. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just busy week, but we're definitely getting this one out and I'm excited about it. So yeah, so send us like Grant said, send us some ideas. Um, Definitely on my part, I'd love to do a race recap. I thought that was really fun. And we got a ton of people who also enjoyed it. And we sh- it's been about time to do another one. So, <laughs> yeah. I uh, Dan, anything else we got to add? 
no, nah, that's, that's all that's going on in my end. Um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the rest of camp and, uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to the, the spring quarter of school and getting into some races in the next little bit. Yes. Yeah. Pumped about that. So, all right, man. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And thank you to you all for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Time.